I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is R.N. Sandy Robertson, and she is also the author of Why Am I Eating This? Is This the Nourishment I Need? There's valuable insight found when we take a close look at our eating habits. Understanding how and why we eat can reveal that our deeper self is in need of self-care. Have you ever asked yourself, is this the nourishment I need? Why am I eating this? Registered nurse and former corporate and hospital wellness program manager, Sandy Robertson, shares steps in which readers can transform their relationship with food, making space for self-care as a form of nourishment. With a background in holistic nursing and leading preventative lifestyle change programs around mind-body wellness in several corporations and hospitals, uh, she brings her wealth of knowledge to her second edition of her book. She is a board-certified holistic nurse, and for the past 25 years, she's been in the forefront of integrative, complementary, and mind-body approaches to behavior change. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Nice to have you on. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you for inviting me to be here today. Well, I'll tell you the first question that I, I'm always asking myself, uh, why am I eating this? I, uh, sometimes I have an answer. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I know I shouldn't be eating this. And sometimes I know I'm actually doing well. But uh, Americans, all of us, most of us always still have, a, we have a lot of difficulty with our nutrition, with why we eat, who we eat with eating too much. Um, so you're going to give us kind of a, a different approach to our eating habits, I'm assuming, helping us to... Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I think, I believe, it really starts with awareness and noticing. Like you just shared some insights that you're already aware of maybe when you're choosing food when you're not hungry. And I think that people, it would be really helpful to tune in and implement some mindful eating approaches. And my book really gives seven steps to retrain your mind about food and incorporate mindful eating, looking at your food patterns, looking at your eating history with your parents and grandparents and how they ate, practicing self-talk, kind of cognitive restructuring, but we can use in an easy way to coach ourselves when we're around food. And most of all, to look at food as nourishment, not just fuel. And if we think we're hungry, pause and ask, am I tired, lonely, bored, frustrated? Do I need to sleep? Do I need some water? So I really believe in self-care. That's what I integrate into my practice and teach. And I do believe that people can reframe how they eat and how they look at food. So when you say reframe, uh, you know, at the way we look at food and how we eat. And I like those questions that we should be asking ourselves because m- m- all of us are in those situations at some time. We're either bored or upset or anxious and we're eating, which really isn't going to satisfy uh, what our issue is. That's what you're saying. Take a, There are other ways to do it. Take a look at why you, why am I eating this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And pe- people or forget that food is fuel, It's energy going into our body, and it's an equation, energy in, energy out. You know, we can only eat so much energy if we're sitting around all day, not exercising or sitting in front of computers, laptops, etc. And I also believe that 
in this country today in the United States, a lot of eating and overeating is driven by the media, social media, and external forces. And my book really delves into retraining not just our mind, but our soul and our spirit and asking ourselves, what am I hungry for? You know, what am I truly hungry for? What is my soul seeking? Might be a friend, some spirituality, connecting with nature, as I said, sleep, some inner, you know, inner work and self-love and self-compassion. And that is also nourishment. I think people forget that. I think one of the things that people often I'll talk about myself or my friends or my girlfriends and stuff. It's, well, I, I, I want to eat when I want to eat because I don't want to feel deprived. And, you know, that word deprivation doesn't really feel good or denied mm-hmm. or dieting. I don't like what are those, the three D's, but I don't want to feel that way. So I'm going to eat what I want. So what do you say to that? I think people can eat what they want. It's all about portion size. And I know a lot of people who manage their weight very well by eating a little of this, a little of that, healthy food all throughout the day, every two hours. But they eat small portions so that their caloric intake doesn't exceed what's best for their body and weight, which for an adult woman, you know, around 1,400 calories a day. And again, that's a generality depending on how much exercise. So it can be done your way. And to look at food as entertainment and fun too, but it is about portion size. And most people I know, I don't know about you, maybe some of your listeners, eat way too much at home and also, especially in restaurants, the portion sizes are so large. And so tuning in with some mindful eating steps of paying attention and eating slowly and chewing and being present with the food, which I also talk about in the book can slow down the eating process so that we're aware that we're getting full. A lot of people eat so fast in 10 minutes, and it takes 20 minutes for the message to get from the stomach to the brain that we've had enough. So just using some simple mindful eating strategies of pausing, putting utensils down in between bites can help nourish our bodies and our souls as we're really present with gratitude with the food. So slow down. Slow down is what you're saying. Yes. Just slow so down. Simple, right? Yeah. Think about what you're eating. Put that fork down. Uh, yeah. and maybe have some conversation in between if you're with somebody instead of stuffing in the food. But one of the things you said in the beginning that I just wanted to ask you about, because the history of eating, what's the history of eating in your own family? Because I think that's really important. And of course, if you have a couple or you have partners who are raising kids, they may have a different attitude. Each the, the adults may have different attitudes toward food, and how does that relate to what they're teaching their kids? That's two or three questions. This is very, very <laughs> important. I have a chapter in my book called "Uncover the Mystery of Your Eating History." I'll give an example. One of my grandmothers lived with us growing up. She was German and had jars of cookies and candy and things treats in her room. On the other hand, my father was an alternate to the Olympics and was a very healthy eater. So he was very disciplined. And my mother and grandmother, it was more eat, eat, overeat, you know, very large portions. And also there was some stress and uh, tense emotions in the house. And so eating was a way to self-soothe and quiet upsetting emotions And I also believe, and I've studied this as a holistic nurse and have 
lot of uh, psychologist colleagues that people use food to self-soothe. A lot of that is learned behavior. And what I write about, and I'm sure you know this in your field too, is we can unlearn those behaviors and shift and substitute new ones, you know, self-compassion, pause, a prayer, and seek guidance and support with a therapist and or a mental health expert to really look at some of those deeper issues that may involve uh, early childhood stress or trauma that may be driving some of those inherent patterns that we learned as a child, the turn of food to self-soothe. And I think mother, I, I'm, I don't want to blame mothers, but, but maybe traditionally in the past, <laughs> love, uh, love and food were associated with one another. Um, and the, feeding your kids and, and with grandmothers, the, the more they eat, the more you love them, which isn't really true. But uh-huh. I think there uh-huh. is that association, right? Um, one of the things that I do, some, if I'm in a situation where I can do this, whether if I'm at home and I want to eat something and I think, why am I going to eat this? Why am I eating this? I will actually get up, walk outside and walk around the circle in this case and uh, instead of eating and, you know, take 10 or 15 minutes to do that. So uh, one of my little tricks, but anyway, yeah. That's uh, perfect. That's perfect. I do the same thing, Catherine. I find that I find that just going outside, like you said, looking up at the sky, wherever you live, looking at a tree, looking at the birds, even at night, the sky, and taking a few breaths. It's a, it's a shift. It's a change in viewpoint and standpoint. Gets your mind on other things, expansiveness of the universe, and then go back in. And most times you've forgotten about it, you know, that you even care about eating something just because. So that's a great yeah. example. What do you say to people who meditation, that, you know, they hear the word meditation. It's, I don't want to meditate. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to think about all of this. It's like too touchy-feely, although I, that's changing. And it's, I think, even changing in, well, you're an, obviously you're a nurse. It's changing with physicians. Uh, and I think that they have a responsibility, maybe you can comment on this, to talk to why, well, just the title of your book for people to think about why are you eating what you eat? Because most people are overweight, as you said before. Um, yeah, what is the medical profession doing now? Is that incorporated into any, like for primary care physicians, for instance? That's a great, a great question. I think a lot of doctors are bringing in mind body approaches in many hospitals across the country, concept of whole health that the quality of our health and well-being is a factor of so many things, nutrition, exercise, sleep, water, food, social support, and that's become more mainstream. I look at it that any way people can quiet their minds and bodies, especially using the breath, you can call it anything you want. It can be prayer, meditation, a pause, a breath, take a moment, I know in many schools, they're bringing mindful moments in. So in order for our bodies to be quiet, our minds need to be quiet. And in order for us to choose high-quality food and what's the best nourishment and fuel for our bodies in this moment, our minds need to be quiet. I know for myself, if I'm agitated, upset, frustrated, you know, that's a danger zone. I just want to head into the kitchen and eat. Yeah. For me, it's salt, you know, anything 
crackers, chips, etc. So the power of the breath and pausing and saying a few comforting words to ourselves, whether it's a prayer, counting, an affirmation, loving kindness thought, may I be well, may I be safe, may I know the beauty of my own true nature, or all is well. You know, it could be simple things that are meaningful and comforting. I think there's a lot of power in pausing and taking a breath throughout the day. And don't you think also, even kind of taking it back a little, when we go to the grocery store or the market, maybe we also need to pause and meditate before we buy those foods that we know we shouldn't be eating or that are we have easy access. <laughs> and, and, you know, put it, yes. take a look at the labels, take a look at what you're buying, and then put it back if you kind of, you know, have a sense that this is not really going to improve my self-care. Um, and I'm pretty conscious of that so that I don't even have certain foods in the house that are going to tempt me. But so you can do some of that. I don't know if you'd call it meditation, but it is pausing and thinking about what you buy, not just throwing things into your shopping cart. Yes. Yes. They used to say shop the perimeter where fruits and vegetables are, but I've noticed lately that a lot of grocers have snack food and cookies and things, you know, on the end units to tempt you. But well, I because agree. they heard Pausing about it, they, they know the grocery stores yeah. know that, and so now they put, a, <laughs> they know people right. were shopping the perimeter, and they stuck the bad stuff on the perimeter. Anyway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I have noticed that. I believe label reading is one of the best gifts that people can do, and also to teach children and look at especially the top three or four ingredients. And is it? a whole grain? Does it have sugar in it? Does it have a lot of chemicals that you can't pronounce? And try to buy things with as few ingredients as possible. And also back to portion sizes. People could buy healthy things, healthy crackers, but if you eat the whole box, it's not that healthy. So you gave a great example too of environmental support and knowing yourself. And if some people, it's hard to keep cookies, crackers, et cetera, in the house, unless you have children. I know that's harder, but have it in an out-of-the-way spot that you really have to work hard to get it and, you know, have three or four crackers, not 25. So back to portion size, Catherine. I, I talk about that a lot with my clients. It does make a difference. Portion size is critical, and what I do, I think it comes, perhaps it's a little more expensive, I'm not sure, but let's say uh, I like popcorn for dessert. I buy the ones that are, like, there's a little bag of popcorn, and it tells you it has 100 calories, and that's it, and, you know, whatever yes. the portion is, so I can't keep getting a big box or a big thing of popcorn, and then you just keep eating it and eating it, and you can do that with a lot of different kinds of food. They package it in little packets, you know, and then... I think that I find that helpful. It makes me aware. Yeah. Talk of, yeah. Of how much I'm eating. Yeah. Or, it makes uh, it more user friendly and just what you said, aware. And awareness is key. That's a ma- another magic word. Awareness. Awareness, slow down and chew. <laughs> chew. Be present chew. with the food, savor yeah. it, appreciate it, and allow at least your meal to last at least 20 minutes and then pause and tune in. Am I still hungry? And if there's really hungry for fuel and if there's food left on the plate, it's okay to put it away, you know, cover it 
in the refrigerator, save it for another meal. Same thing at a restaurant. Engage in conversation. Enjoy. Chew. And take at least half of it home. You know, a few more meals. And that self-talk is so important too, Catherine, of being your own coach. I, I talk about this a lot in the book of saying to yourself, slow down. Do I really want this? How am I going to feel if I eat this? So it takes away the shame and blame and judgment, no judgment. You know, all food can be great and fun for certain circumstances. But pausing to ask that question most of the time, how am I going to feel if I eat this? You know, is this the best fuel for me right now? Will this give me the most energy? Everyone I know right now wants more energy and putting optimal fuel in your body Will support you. So just asking that simple question, the self-talk can be questions. Is this the best energy for me? And that will help you re-choose from a neutral place. What do you do? What do you do, Sandy, if you're in a restaurants? And I, I eat out quite a lot when I'm in the city. And the restaurants seem to be like just pumping up. You talk about quick and fast. And I, before I even sit down, they want to know what kind of water I want. I mean, would you want plain water or still water or, you know, or fizzy water, whatever it is? Okay, give me a chance to sit down, please. I have to tell them. And mm-hmm. I don't like to get mean or nasty, but they want to serve you very quickly, I find. I mean, I really have to say I like to eat slowly and have some time in between a course or two because I to me it seems like restaurants are getting worse not better I don't know what your experience is and and then what do you do I guess you just have to say something right I either say something or I feel I have the right to sit there and enjoy my meal with a friend and then I leave a nice tip if we've been there for a long time, for an extra long time, and they haven't been able to turn the table over. But I believe, again, that's the right that we all have, unless there's specific instructions. You know, they yeah. have to be, in have to be out of here in an hour. In an hour. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so that we have that right to sit and enjoy and enjoy the experience of being out and being with friends or family. Yeah, I had the experience with a girlfriend we were having lunch, and uh, I think the waiter came over at least four times wanting to wa- wanting to know what we wanted for dessert or whatever, and finally, we had to say, we'll call you over when we're ready. We- right now, we're not ready, but um, the waiter never really got the hint. You had to be very specific, like you said. Yeah, so that seems to be more of an issue now, at least that's what I find. Maybe it's just the places I go to. I don't know. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> so Maybe time to choose some new spots. Yeah, find new restaurants, right? <laughs> um, but <laughs> they do like to turn. Some restaurants now do tell you you, you have an hour and a half, and then you have to leave because they're going to turn the table over. Yeah, uh, but they'll tell you that beforehand, so you can make the choice whether to go there or not. What kind of feedback? Or what kind of I don't know feedback or pushback do you get? I mean, you you are a um, in, in terms of the people, like in, um, you do have programs, preventative, uh, I think I read this in the beginning, preventative lifestyle change programs, like in corporations and hospitals. What happens in hospitals? Hospitals don't, the food they serve never seems to be that good. I mean. <laughs> well, I think hospitals are making an effort 
to have their food more nutritious. I've even read about some hospitals that uh, have relationships with organic farms and, again, really understand the power of nutrition. The good news is a lot of hospitals these days want to get people in and out as fast as possible. So like the restaurant. you can get home to eat your healthy food. Yes, yes. And I think also having friends and family who can bring you healthy food, if that's allowed and permitted with what's going on, nourishing food, you know, soups or pureed vegetables, that that matters too. So I believe people are really becoming more tuned in to the power of food as something that can help heal. There's so many programs, you know, around the country, Dr. Andrew Weil and uh, reputable academic institutions that are focusing on nutrition and culinary medicine. They're called culinary medicine programs. Tulane has one, and many hospitals are looking into that. But we all have the responsibility to do it for ourselves, you know, to read up, to seek out the expertise of dietitians, nutritions, or books. And also, everyone's body is different, and there's a lot in the media now about the gut-brain connection and the power of a healthy gut microbiome. And I really want to emphasize once again that everyone's physiology and energy systems are different. So supplements and eat this are recommended, but everyone needs to get the expertise from their doctors and dietitians about what's best for their gut microbiome and healthy bacteria because there's a lot of research about the gut-brain connection. So healthy gut can help have a healthy brain, and it's a bi-directional research, uh, pathway, the gut to the brain and the brain to the gut. So that's another whole uh, expanding area of nutrition, but it's important for people to understand how important that is in their nutrition and, you know, dietary planning. What about, oh, that's, uh, and I, I've read quite a bit about that. Yes, that this is, some, I don't know if it's, it's a, a sort of a new approach in medicine, right? With the, mm-hmm. the gut to the brain, mm-hmm. the brain yes, to the gut. Yes, health, but, healthy gut. Mm-hmm. Sandy, what about, because I, I don't want to skip over this, because this culinary medicine program, um, I haven't heard of that. So can you just kind of tell us a little bit more what those program, what the program is and where they are? We have about four minutes left. Yes. I don't know where they all are. They, they could have spread by now. I uh, originally live in Los Angeles, was able to hear a presentation and demo from some doctors from Tulane in New Orleans. So they have one. Uh, I, think some hospitals in Los Angeles may be looking into it. University of Vermont and their integrative medicine program, I believe, you know, has works with the dietitians and nutritionists for culinary medicine. Even during uh, COVID, the pandemic, they were able to do that. And also, I've heard of uh, UCSF in San Francisco and the OSHER program. So I know I'm leaving a lot out because it's been spreading in the past few years. Those are just some of the ones I happen to know about. But people could Google, you know, culinary medicine. And I I just think it's great that that's being woven into medical students and doctors' basic medical training because it is so important since food is medicine. Food is medicine, and that's great. Well, you gave us, you gave us the North, the Northeast and the West and the South. So we can start with Tulane and UVM and 
uh, as you say, go online and get more, I'm, which I'll do <laughs> uh, about. Yes, yes. Yeah. And there could be some in the Midwest. I'm not, again, trying to leave any out. I just don't know of them offhand, but I know that it's been spreading and uh, the Osher Centers for Integrated Medicine are across the country. Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin has been a leader in integrated medicine too. So I'm sure there are many, many more. Well, now we want to know uh, more about you. And, and so like give us some websites or uh, to go to for more information yes. about the work that you are doing and uh, so we can yes. follow you. Yeah. Thank you. My website is energyworkswisdom.com. So www.energyworkswisdom.com. And the book, Why Am I Eating This, is available on Amazon, also on Kindle. And people going to my website will get a free excerpt of new material from the book, especially on nourishment and looking at food as nourishment. And there's an opportunity to connect with me, and I'm happy to talk to people, chat, uh, give a 20-minute consultation. And I love empowering people to help change their relationship with eating and food for good. It's, it's really my passion and bringing in mind-body approaches that are unique and specific for everyone. Everyone's different. Everyone's mind-body-spirit energy system is different. And that's what I really want to empower people to take a look at in deeper ways. Okay. We have to remember that the mind-body-spirit is different. We're all unique. Because I think sometimes yes. we feel we're, yeah, we're being thrown into this kind of like... Uh, uh, pot, you know, pool of like everybody's the same and we all have to follow the same uh, or we're talking about eating habits or whatever, but we don't. We're unique. We have to know ourselves and our own bodies. That's really good. Uh, well, I yes, think and our yeah. energy systems. I'm an energy healer too and we're all bombarded with energy, you know, going in stores or airports, corporations, buildings, hospitals, and being around other people and their energy. So doing what we can to nourish and clear our own energy systems is an important part of self-care and holistic health, too. Well, Sandy's book, Sandy Robertson, who I've been talking to, RN, author, her book is Why Am I Eating This? Is This the Nourishment I Need? Thanks so much for being on the show today. It was really great talking to you. Uh, we all appreciate the information. Thank you, Catherine. It's been a pleasure. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 